As of today, in the province of New Brunswick, with a population of 797,000, there are 29 missing people. In the state of Idaho, with a population of 1.9 million, there are 101 people missing. Hello, I'm your host, Sheena. And I'm your host, Christina. Welcome to Milk Carton Cases, a missing person podcast dedicated to unsolved missing person cases in Canada and the U.S. Today, I will be discussing the disappearance of 38-year-old Aaron Brooks, who went missing from Fredericton, New Brunswick. And I will be discussing the disappearance of five-year-old Michael Vaughn, who disappeared from Fruitland, Idaho. Right, so this time I'm back in New Brunswick. Can you tell me, without looking at a map, kind of where New Brunswick is? So that is on the East Coast, right? Yes. We talked about it. It's right by Prince Edward Island, right? Yes. That we were talking about the masks. Uh, Yeah, that was in Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Okay. Okay. It's in that same area. Okay. So there's like Newfoundland, and then there's, I guess you would say Nova Scotia, then New Brunswick. Got it. All in that area. I'm good. Nice. Really good. I have uh, fewer things to keep track of than you do. Yes, but still, still very impressive. Okay. So Fredericton, where my case takes place, is the capital of New Brunswick. So, like you said, this province is more on the East Coast, it's home to the Bay of Fundy which lies on the south of the province, while the Gulf of St. Lawrence is on the east of this province. It has 24 land border crossings into the U.S. via Maine. Wow, that's a lot of border crossings. A lot. Yeah, I was looking at it and I was looking at the map and I'm like, oh, 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 that's a lot. Why do you think there's so many for one state? I don't know. I don't know. That's a really good question. Why is there? I'm wondering if all of them are actually open or not. Like maybe some of them aren't always functional. Maybe it's for imports, like some kind of business. I'm not okay. sure, but 24 is what I that's what I got. Is that the most? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. That's check a very that random that's, question. <laughs> no, that's a great question. I'm gonna check into that. Write that down. It's a great question. So, um. As uh, I'll continue. So an interesting fact. 1969, the Official Languages, Languages Act was passed in Canada, and that then made French to become one of New Brunswick's official languages alongside English. I'm not sure if I gave you this fact last time we covered a New Brunswick story, but I'm, I'm saying it again anyways. Two-thirds of New Brunswickers are Anglophones, while one-third of people of New Brunswick are Francophones. And why I thought this was interesting is because unlike the province of Quebec, um, this is one of the only provinces aside from Quebec that has French as an official language. Unless something changed recently and I didn't catch that. But So Quebec, if you don't know, since 1974 has only one official language, and that official language is French. Hmm. 
although there are a lot of Anglophones within the province, and they still kind of cater to English-speaking people, especially in the city of Montreal and whatnot, but their official first language is French, and there's no other province, I mean, that I know of. There shouldn't be. There's only <laughs> 10 of them, and I'm pretty damn sure of Quebec being the only French one. So that's, I thought that was cool. Um, cool fact. So with that, it is home to a large majority of the cultural region of Acadia. Acadia is a culture within Canada where the people are French speaking. However, it happens to have about seven different accents, di dialects of oh, French. Wow. So depending on who you are and your knowledge and experience of French, um, you might not quite understand people speaking uh, this type of French if you're not accustomed to it. So this style of French in a nutshell is North American French interspersed with words of Mi'kmaq and English. It's like a, like a, mon, like a melange. Ooh. That's so. Kind of like Spanglish almost. Sort of like Creole oh, in okay. a sense, but like Canadian version of that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, please, uh, that's, that's the way I'm describing it. It could be. Don't take my word for it. It's not written down anywhere. I just That's how I put it. So if you put that all together, you get Acadian French. Acadian French is usually found in the Maritimes in Canada. The language is spoken by Acadian Francophone population of New Brunswick. Um, also, small minorities on the Gaspé Peninsula and the Magdalen Islands of Quebec, as well as... Oops. In French-speaking areas of Nova Scotia, PEI, and PEI, sorry. Also, another interesting fact is that um, this type of French is spoken in the United States. In the uh, St. John Valley, or, uh, sorry, of northern Aroostook County in Maine. I don't interesting. know Interesting. I, I guess that makes sense, because they're so close. So close. Yeah. Huh. So you got some American Acadians. There we go. Yeah, there cool. is a the what is it? Is it Acadia National Forest at Maine, or is it Arcadia? It might be Acadia. I, I would probably I would assume it's yep, Acadia. Acadia National Park. There you go. There you go. That's what I thought you were talking about when you first mentioned it. <laughs> there you go. Well, I didn't know that there was a national park in Maine, but mm -hmm. yeah. So that we that it makes kind of makes sense now. All ties yeah. together. All ties together. So this part I wanted to. I wanted to tell you, but then I'm like, she doesn't speak French, so I don't know how. But I'm going to explain a little, a little thing, a, a bit of, excuse me, I'm going to explain a bit of uh, the Acadian French versus French, and I'm going to translate it to English. So there's some words that are taken in French, and like I said, it's like a melange of English, French, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, not whatever, but it's a melange. So I'm going to tell you these words I'm going to explain. Okay. So there's a word that they use in Acadian French, and I've heard this before. Attento, which means earlier in English, but in French you would say plutôt. Okay. So plutôt somehow got switched up to attento. I mean, as we all know, Pluto is a, <laughs> a, a planet. That's right. Uh, so. Well... Used to be a planet. That's um, not so, you know, a planet. No, oh. they, they they took its status away. Did they? They did. What? I know. How come? 
It's a star now? Like what is no, it? No, it's just like it's no, a it's know. a dwarf planet, so it's just like it's too small to be considered a planet is what they're saying. So mm, it's just like it's like just an this asteroid? little thing. No, because it still like has like the its regular orbit. orbit. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know the logistics behind it. I'm I'm sad that they took it away because it was my favorite planet, and I did do a report on it in fourth grade where I had to make an <laughs> alien that would have lived on Pluto. So, full circle. Yep. <laughs> so that's probably why they changed it. They take away the planet. They switch the, the they switch the phrasing. They switch the phrasing. There yep. you go. <laughs> okay, I, I did choose some other words that maybe you'll you can guess. So I'm gonna say the word. Try and guess it. Okay. Shawl. Like a, a no, oh no, shit! No, no, no! I thought you would have guessed so it. Poorly. Car. <laughs> How is that a car? Shawl, like C H A R, like shawl. Maybe I I'm gonna to get in my shawl. Look like mm. no, I never would have guessed. No, that. my bad. Well, I thought maybe because it's like car. No, I nope. guess not. So in English, it would be a car, mm-hmm. but in French, you would say voiture. But so, so that's what I'm saying. Like the English, French, kind of like mix it up a yeah. little bit. Um, there's one. I don't know if you'll guess it, but I'll say it. Fret. What's the, how do you spell it? F R E T T E. It's not going to help you. Friend. <laughs> Close. <No. laughs> You're like enemies. No, no, no. It's no, not even. It's cold. Oh, like frigid. That makes sense. Yeah. So in French, you say froid. Okay. But they change it to fret. And here's another one. Isit. You're not going to guess. Spell it. I-C-I-T-T-E. It's kind of like fret. Isit. Icy? No. <laughs> you, you look so excited every time I say something and I'm so I just, I'm, I'm loving that you're participating. I do so have like fun. this moment where I'm like, I got it right. No, and then I know. clearly did not. Oh, Flev. Flev? <laughs> no. My one French word. There you go. You say it. Spectacularly, <laughs> uh, it's really so, in the back of the throat. <laughs> there you go. So isit is here in English, oh, okay. but in French you would say ici. That's pretty close to the French one. Yeah, I mean sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And then, anyways, so I thought that was kind of fun. That is fun. Yeah. Um. So last fun fact that has nothing to do with language. Don't worry. Uh, New Brunswick is home to the world's largest artificial lobster. <gasps> and I forgot to send you the picture. That's the one I forgot. Sorry. Where is it at? Um, so I'll tell you. Uh, let me finish and then I'll tell you. So it's a concrete with reinforced steel statue made by Canadian artist Winston Bronham, built in 1990 and sits in the town of Shediac, New Brunswick. It's Huge. More beautiful than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> it's the pretty coloring, cool. the shading on yeah, that thing. I thought it was just going to be like, you know, one of those random things like on the side of the road where no. it's almost like one sad look color. <laughs> no, this is beautiful. It is pretty. It's pretty cool. Um, so Shediac, the town of, Sh- I hope I'm saying it right. The pro- town of Shediac is also known to be the lobster cap- capital of the world. I didn't know if you know that. I didn't know that, but I'm telling you now. So. Um, this massive lobster weighs 90 tons. Whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Well, now I want to go there. Me too. Do you like lobster? I love lobster. I'm like not really into lobster. That's fair. They are the cockroaches of the sea. Ugh. Especially if you see that. <laughs> Yuck. I don't know. I mean, they look cool and red when you cook them, but. Do you like uh. crayfish? Excuse me? Do you like crayfish? Crawfish? What's that? No. The little... No. 
Those look like bugs to me. They are bugs. I mean, they're just they're just small lobsters. If you think are they? About it. No, no, but is the meat similar? They look oh, like small they do. They do. Lobsters. You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan. I like shrimp. Interesting. And I like crab. Interesting, but not lobster. Not lobster. Interesting. Maybe I just never had a good lobster. Maybe there's a place that we should go to that has very good lobster. I'm interested. I'll do it. I'll test it out. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. So that was all my fun facts. Those were very fun. Great. I'm glad. Okay. Now to get a little bit more serious. Oh, on a border crossing thing. Do we care about that? Oh, yeah. Tell me. Okay. So um, Maine does have the most amount of border crossings. There you go. Out of everybody. Out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Canada, US. Yep. Wow. Well, I, I guess I just looked at right states to... Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't picture there being any more uh, any any other province. And if there was, you would you would catch it because it's gonna be with U.S. So there we go. There we go. Now we know. Now we if know. If you really want to get across the border, hmm. go to Maine. You have the New most Brunswick, options. Maine. Yeah, good to know. Just kidding. <laughs> we do everything legally when we cross the border here. <laughs> On the evening of December twenty seventh, twenty twenty one was past Christmas for us um, at around 9 p.m. Aaron Brooks, the lady that I was telling you that I would be speaking about tonight, Aaron Brooks walked into a smoke shop on the north side of Fredericton, New Brunswick. To be more specific, the shop is actually in St. Mary's First Nation Reserve where Aaron lived. Um, 48 hours after this, her sister decided to call in finally and report her missing. And since then, she hasn't been seen. Her so, sister? Erin. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes so, sorry. more sense. Yeah. My bad. I worded it wrong. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, that's the story. And I know it sounds, it's pretty short, but there's a little bit more to it. So her sister tells the CBC, tells CBC News in an interview on how on Christmas a few days earlier, on the last day that she was seen, this is a little confusing you know different articles have different things but from the sound from the sound of it it seems as though her her family saw her on christmas and then the footage of her on the 27th was the last footage seen of Aaron. okay okay so she says on christmas a few days earlier um that everything seemed absolutely normal and she didn't see any reason as to why her sister would have run off let's mm-hmm. say cuz that's sometimes a question that people the police will ask um and especially so because she left she would have left behind two young children age of 10 and 6 so she also says that uh, she tells the reporter that it wouldn't be like her to just up and vanish hinting that Possibly something more sinister has happened. Basically, Erin wasn't one to go away without telling anybody for hours or a night. Or, and that's just completely not her MO. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if this could be considered anything more than coincidence. But I'll tell you. I'll read it to you and you can tell me how you feel about it. Okay. I sent you an image. Mm-hmm. It's a Facebook post. Can you pull that up? Yep. Okay. So... Why I was saying that there there might be something a little bit more. It, it's more about, um, it's more about who she is and her like identity physically that 
and like culturally that makes this a bigger story i'll explain in a second so in 2018 erin posted on facebook this which i'm reading to you now so she goes i am a strong maliceet women woman i'm content if there ever comes a time where i disappear where i go for groceries and don't return do not return where i go to run errands and do not return please know I did not voluntarily leave my family. I'm not out partying. I did not go and commit suicide somewhere. If I do not return home, know that someone took me against my will or worse. Do not make excuses as to why I may not have returned home because it is a lie. Look for me, please. Okay. Any, what do you think? Right now. Wow. I mean, yeah. like... It's 2018 when she posted this. I mean, that still kind of makes you think that she's not just going to leave yeah. a couple of years later. No. Also, kind of, like, for her family, for her sister, when they were interviewed in the CBC, um, by the CBC reporter, they she brought it up and she said it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. If you think back about this post years before, it just... It's just like, what the hell? Was she predicting something? Maybe. And I will continue. She does start this post with explaining who she is. She's a malice woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you know, but the malice are an Algonquin speaking First Nation. Um, and so basically they're indigenous people. Yes. Of the St. John River Valley. Um, their territory extends across the borders of New Brunswick, Quebec, and, Ca- and Canada, and uh, into the United States, into the state of Maine. I don't know if you were questioning um, Maliseet, mm-hmm. like where that where that originates from, what what language they spoke, etc. But I hope that gives you some mm-hmm. kind of clarity. Yeah. So the truth is disappearance of indigenous girls and women across Canada and the United States is not uncommon and continues to be a major problem within our country. Many of our indigenous girls and women are murdered or go missing each year and most of them remain that way without answers for far too long. Which is why I believe her post in 2018 may, may just have been just her anger at the situation. Yeah. Me mm-hmm. could be hinting towards something else. Maybe she something was going on in her life and she knew that something might happen one day. I don't know, but it also could be fair to assume or 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 think that maybe it was just because of the way she's been, the life that she's been living, mm-hmm. being a Malice woman. And I will continue on with her description because that's basically the story. Uh, so Aaron Brooks. A daughter, a sister, a friend, and a mother. She was last seen wearing blue jeans, a dark brown jacket, black boots. She's about 5'2", five, 5'3", five, approximately 115 pounds. Has brown eyes and black hair. At the time she went missing, had bangs. She was seen at the St. Mary's Smoke Shop on the evening of December 27th. Anyone with information about Aaron Brooks is asked to contact the Fredericton Police Force at 506-460-2300 or Crime Stoppers at 
888-888-8477. The family is also offering a $5,000 reward for anyone with information that leads to finding Miss Brooks. I have a quick question. Yes. Um, so did she live in uh, Fredericton? Yes. So, yes. And her family lived there too. So she was there for Christmas, but she also lived in that same area. Yes. Okay. Um, from what I understood, uh, St. Mary First Nation is in Fredericton. Okay. And they also refer to it as Turtle Island when when I was reading some of the articles. But yeah. Okay. Fredericton. And we, should we take a break? Sounds good. All right. Five-year-old Michael Vaughn disappeared from Fruitland, Idaho on July 27th, 2020. So Idaho is um, below British Columbia, is in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. Um, is there anything that you think of when you think of Idaho? Potatoes. Yes. Yeah. So Idaho does supply a third of the nation's potatoes. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're like good. all about that. Wow. Uh, one thing you might not think of is cheese. No. Right? Uh, the world's largest che- factory for barrel cheese is in Gooding, Idaho. Have you ever heard of barrel cheese before? Uh, wait. No. I had not. I did not know uh, what barrel cheese I'm was. I'm thinking Cracker ba- Barrel. Yeah, that's fair. No, that it's not the did same come thing. up when I searched for barrel cheese, but it's not the no. same thing. Okay. Um. So at first, when I saw this, I was like, "Oh, cheese, Idaho. That sounds great. Goes great with potatoes. Cheesy potatoes. Yeah. Um. Uh, barrel cheese is used to make processed cheeses like nacho cheese sauce. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so maybe not like the fancy cheeses no. that we're thinking of. No. Um. But they do still make a Jeez. lot of cheese. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes, you know. Fake cheese is what you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, another fun fact. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite took place in Idaho. <laughs> did you know that? No. I did not know that. <laughs> That's funny. I can just picture what Idaho looks like. Just no. <laughs> just from that movie. Just from that movie. <laughs> That's a great movie. It is. Yeah. I just did not know. What's I- the name of the llama again? Tina. Tina. Yeah. Yeah. I also love ham. And so my friends mm. used to say, Tina, eat your ham. <laughs> it's not the worst, Cute. I guess, but it's unfortunate for Is me. that like the biggest uh, movie that's been uh, recorded in um, Idaho? I didn't look that up, okay. but no. I just thought that it was very random that Napoleon yeah. Dynamite was the one that was like, this was filmed here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. there we go. Um, so today's case takes place in Fruitland, Idaho, which is about 50 miles west of Boise and is on the border with Oregon. Like, it's right across the river from Oregon. Okay. And Boise is the capital of Idaho. Okay. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that name. I didn't know that that was the capital, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, so Fruitland got its name from all the apple orchards in the area, ah. which, you know, shocker. Uh-huh. Um, but its town slogan is the Big Apple of Idaho. That was cute. I thought that was a cute, really cute slogan. Uh, Fruitland is pretty small, and as of 2019, only had a population of 5,264 people. Wow, that is tiny. So it's a pretty, pretty close Close knit community. community, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to get into the case. Uh, Michael Vaughn disappeared from his home at 6:30 in the evening of July 27th, 2020. That night, his mother, Brandy Neal, was at work, and his father, Tyler Vaughn, was at home watching the kids. Michael was in the living room playing Nintendo when Tyler left the room for 20 to 15 to 20 minutes to check on Michael's younger sister in another part of the house. 
By the time he came back to the living room, Michael was gone. Tyler immediately called Brandy, saying that he couldn't find Michael anywhere. In an article from KTVB7, she described the phone call, saying, He was screaming for him. I could hear the fear in his voice. I froze at the moment, and my coworker saw me and was like, Go, and I ran. I ran and I grabbed my purse and I drove as fast as I could here. By the time she arrived home, uh, police and neighbors were already outside searching the streets and the fields nearby. Um, So it was a very quick response. Uh, Neighbors reported that Michael had been walking down the street, knocking on doors around 645. And when canine dogs did a search of the neighborhood, they were able to track his scent to the end of the street where it stopped abruptly. Brandy says that although Michael uh, is friendly and had walked to the end of their street alone before, he was rarely outside by himself. There was almost always an older sibling or parent with him, and she never thought that he would just walk away. No. So immediately, Brandy thought that Michael had been abducted, but because no one knew that for sure, and there was no suspect person or vehicle, no Amber Alert could be issued. Which is what we've seen in so so many many other cases. Um... So, in Idaho, law enforcement must know that a child has been abducted, not just reasonably believe, like in some other states, say, Oregon, which is literally a river across from this town. Uh, Regardless, Fruitland Police and the lead detective fought to have an Amber Alert issued, but the best that they could do was a missing and endangered children alert and Fruitland's local alert system. So, the first alert went out at 820 with four different alerts to email, phone calls, and text messages to residents in Fruitland and nearby towns. However, in order to get those alerts, residents had to be signed up to receive them. Oh, my God. Which is very similar to uh, some of the other cases that we've covered, too, where the alerts just... You have to be signed up in order to get the alert. People did continue to search the area until 4 a.m., but the next day, police started sending out Facebook messages asking people to stay away from the block where Michael disappeared. So that, Why? I see the confused look yeah. on your face. Um, yeah, so the first time I read that, it didn't really make sense, but they were saying, so like, any evidence that's there, they want it to be preserved so that they can find it. It's like, if there's a okay. ton of people walking around in the area, they're going to lose whatever they can find. And like, they brought in more dogs, like did more dog searches. Okay. So if there's a bunch of people walking around... The dogs aren't going to be able to find anything. They're not going to be able to find anything. So they just wanted everybody to, like, stay back. You can search away from the block, basically, but just don't come in this area so we can have everything that we need to look for right here, which makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, it does. Um, They also asked everyone to check their doorbell or surveillance cameras and look anywhere a five-year-old might be able to hide. There have been countless searches done by air, water, and ground by professional search and rescue units with canine teams, law enforcement enforcement agencies, and community volunteers. uh, Police have received nearly 850 leads, but the majority of them have been cleared. I know that's a lot of leads. Um, There are a couple of leads that the police want help looking into, though. So in October 2021, police released an update saying that they were looking into a 2016-2020 white Honda Pilot that was seen leaving the area that Michael... 2016-2020? Yeah, so it's like, I guess the, the body's same. similar, like okay. the body types are similar, so they didn't know what year it was from, so just like this age range. Um, so that was A white in, Honda Pilot? Mm-hmm. In the area that, uh, he, the night he went missing. 
Um, they're also trying to find information on a man with dark hair wearing a white t-shirt and black shorts seen walking in the area. So, um, they do want, they went on to say that while they were always looking into an abduction as a possibility, that has now become their main focus. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, so, according to a retired FBI agent, only 4% of children that are abducted, only 4% of children are abducted by strangers, but of those, around 60% occur very close to their house. So, to help prevent another case like Michael's, a new law has recently been passed through the Idaho legislature. The new bill allows Amber Alerts to stand alone while discarding some of the other alert system, making one big endangered missing person alert system and a centralized communication system. So, basically, what we have been talking about yeah. every time we come yeah. across a case like this. So, it'll be interesting to see how it actually pans out pans and, out. like, how it works and all that kind of stuff. Um, it also allows Idaho to communicate with surrounding states if state lands are crossed. Yeah, because, I mean, what's, like, one one highway, mm-hmm. I'm sure it doesn't take long to get over that river. Yep. To get into the next state. Yep. Yep. Um. Missing children aren't the only people who will be helped by this bill. Other groups are those with dementia or Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. domestic violence survivors and victims, missing indigenous people, those with developmental disabilities, and human trafficking survivors and victims. So it's really like an all-encompassing, like, if someone isn't where they're supposed to be, this just takes care of everybody, which is definitely a lot less hassle, a lot easier to figure out what you need to be doing and what alerts you can actually send out. So that's great. Yeah, as it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of like what we talked about before, Fruitland is a very small community and the entire um, town came together to support Michael's family and continue to search for him. So Fruitland police brought over a Christmas tree when the family didn't feel up to decorating one for Christmas. They brought gifts to the children's birthdays and raked leaves at the house. Oh they truly have become family, Brandy said of the department, which is so rare. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm getting a little. Can we pause for yes, one please. second? <laughs> so that is a very nice change from what we usually see from police departments where they're actually like stepping up and like helping the family out and like yeah. being there for them. So, in addition, an anonymous local resident resident donated $10,000 to be used as a reward for information, and the money has kept growing to $52,860. Wow. Yep. However, the fund has sunset dates, meaning that the police put a time limit on the money because they want there to be a sense of urgency, hoping that anybody with information is going to come forward sooner rather than later. So, it's just like, if they put a cap on it, like, you know, it's only... Yeah. Available for this amount of time. Okay. You're more likely to come forward now. Instead of years down the line. Right. Exactly. So the reward was deactivated on March 31st, 2022. Mm. Uh, This does not mean that it can't be reactivated, though. So if police have new information, like when they found the video of the white Honda or the man walking the area, the reward can go up for someone to claim. Okay. Again. Uh, the Fruitland Police Department said in their Facebook update, To those who stand strong and continue to support both Michael's family and the efforts of law enforcement to find Michael, thank you. You're helping us avoid conjecture and help and keep the focus on finding this little boy. Michael, who also answers to Monkey, has blonde hair and blue eyes. 
He is three foot six, fifty pounds. He was last seen wearing a light blue Minecraft shirt and dark blue or black boxer briefs with lime green stitching and size 11 flip-flops. Anyone with information is asked to contact Fruitland Police Department at 208-452-3110. Police are also asking that only the official missing person poster from the Fruitland Police Department and the Idaho Missing Persons Clearinghouse is shared since it consistently shows information recognizable to law enforcement throughout the entire United States. So... And that's, that's what, what we'll yeah. be sharing. A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. That one was a little rough. A little? Yeah. I was really rough. I think it was mainly just like the thing that got to me the most was just like how the entire community like came yeah. and rallied behind yeah. the family, you know? But also I'm just picturing being in the living room with him one second, leaving, coming back and he's just gone. And then, so that was the same night when he was knocking on everyone's door. Mm-hmm. So he was probably like lost or he went know, to like. He, I, th- I don't know. I have no idea. Explore, like, yeah, maybe. A little, little kid does. Mm hmm. Um, I think it's safe to say that that was. Uh, I think that was one of the rougher ones. Yeah. That I, I looked at. So, anything we need to talk about coming up? What's our next month uh, looking so- like? We're gonna ha- we'll have the next one out first first Thursday in May. Yeah. Uh, this is the one that's coming up first Thursday in May. This is the one that's coming up. So the next one will June? be June. June. Yep. And then after that, we'll have our special one year anniversary. Second year anniversary. Second year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, cl- I'm clearly a hold on. all here. Yeah. Second year. Second year, Christina. Where the hell have you been? I mean, I, you know, just around. <laughs> you know, time flies. It does. It does. All right. So be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cases Milk. Follow, rate, and review us on wherever you get this podcast. And please send us any cases you'd like us, like us to cover at milkcartoncases at gmail.com. So keep your eyes sharp. And your ears open. Bye.